We're going to be in 1 John again. I kind of want to go over the same scripture section we did last week, but I want to do it in a little bit different context. The Holy Spirit was kind of talking to me the last few weeks as I taught on that section last week, and I felt like there was some application there that I wanted to be sure that I, I didn't leave on the table and kind of felt that tugging to teach that, so here you go. But we'll read that section of Scripture again. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 15. Chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now we spent some time last week really kind of breaking that down. And we went through it. And, you know, we talked about, man, there's a lot of distractions out there for us. I mean... You leave here, it starts immediately, does it not? I mean, from what's on the radio to what's on TV. I mean, if you watch any amount of, you know, whether it's news or entertainment, I mean, everything out there for the most part is a worldly distraction that if you don't moderate that sufficiently, will will come and you before you recognize it it becomes a substitute for God. I mean it'll it'll drag you into some some pits. It really will. The internet which is great, awesome. I love it. Ooh. I mean you got to be careful. You have to moderate. Um but there's another aspect of this that I want to talk about today. And that's, you know, the worldly influences. Yeah, for each one of us personally, it's a, there's a danger. I think we recognize that. I mean, I, I think, you know, last week's lesson wasn't anything that probably you haven't heard before. And even though maybe you've heard it before, it's always a good reminder, right? Um, anytime we open up Scripture and study from His Word, um, it's a positive thing. But... I think there's another aspect that I want to talk about this morning. Here's a few stats I found yesterday. Only 15% of churches currently in the, in the United States are growing. Only 15%. There's a lot of churches in the United States. Uh, what pastor said, he was in Mississippi, that little town, uh, for revival last week, and he said that uh, there were 15 churches just in that, uh, Baptist churches just in that little town. I mean, uh, in uh, South Carolina, in the Hartsville area, I bet there's probably 20 or more. I mean, there's a ton of Baptist churches out there. There's one on every corner, it feels like. But only 15% of those are growing, and just 2.2% of those are growing by conversion, are bringing in uh, converts. They're sharing the gospel, and they're seeing people saved, and they're seeing their congregation grow that way. The others are growing by pulling from other churches. <laughs> and everybody's just kind of moving around church to church. 
10,000 churches in America disappeared in the last five-year period. Just 10,000 churches that um, had members out discipling and sharing the gospel that are no longer doing that in communities, serving communities. That's tragic. Absolutely tragic. The number of people in America who do not attend church has doubled in the last 15 years. I saw a um, survey a couple of months ago, I think, that said people in America now who calls themselves Christians was down to like 50-some percent, 52%, I think, down from the 80 percentiles (coughs) just 15-so years ago, maybe. (coughs) That's tragic. Absolutely tragic and scary of where we're headed. Roughly three-fourths of established churches in America either are declining or are on a long-term plateau. They're just kind of existing. Three-fourths. Why is this? Why do we think that we're, we're seeing this I don't know, de-emphasis of the things of God or, or churches and, and that time. I was, uh, we were out in South Carolina with our family just in August, and I spoke to one of my cousins who, I mean, he's a great godly man, and he's part of staff at a church there in Hartsville. Beautiful church building, a lot of history. I mean, uh, the building's probably goes back to... Um, Civil War days. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful building. And he says, yeah, they just they might get 20, 25 people a week. When before, um, you know, it was a couple hundred. And when he and I were talking, and I'm like, so why do you think that is? And what's your plan? Do you got it? You got, I said, well, how's your uh, leadership? I mean, what's that? Well, we're, we're pastor led. We don't have a deacon board. Okay. And then I, I said, so what's, well, we're going to do a full restructure. I said, well, what do you mean by restructure? Uh, we'll just revamp everything, try to find out. And here's the key. Try to find out what everybody wants, and and we'll see if we can't draw some more people in. Yeah, your, your initial response was, you know, uh, and my initial response was, oh, okay, yeah. Um I was talking to pastor about that. You know, my response to him, what I wanted to say was, how about just preach Scripture? Just preach the truth. If you preach the truth and teach the truth in Sunday school and you're up on the, in the pulpit preaching the truth, it'll have an impact. You don't need to bring in what, what does people want. Why? Because what's the Bible just told us in 1 John? The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They want flashy things. I want to be entertained. It's for some reason, we joke about it, but those of us in this generation struggle to stay awake an hour every Sunday from about 10.30 to 11.30. (laughs) I mean, I've... You know, I used to stand up in the choir... And even teaching Sunday school for five or six years, 
you'd be surprised sometimes people, you know, that fall asleep. I actually heard Brother Lynn one time. We had just been here maybe a year or two, and he was up preaching. And right in the middle of his sermon, he stopped and went, I'm looking out, and I see people sleeping, and I don't get it. And I was sitting there, and I was like, woo! Yeah, I wasn't sleeping. I'm like... But I did kind of... There was somebody around me that was, and I was like... I was like, wow, go, right? But uh, we want to be entertained. It's not enough for us just to hear preaching or teaching from Scripture. You know, there, we want more from it sometimes. Uh, there's a, I found a word as I was doing some study that I probably haven't heard in a very long time. And the word is reverence. Reverence. I couldn't even tell you last time probably I read something or, or heard that word's even spoken. Reverence. Uh, there's a book out, Reverence, Renewing a Forgotten Virtue, written by Paul Woodruff, and he states this. We have not lost our capacity for reverence, but the many occasions on which people used to find ways to be reverent. He's saying we've not lost the capacity, but we've we've taken out those occasions where we used to show reverence. What is reverence? I think, you know, like if you go to court, anybody ever, well, everybody, you know, I've been to court plenty of times. I've been to court plenty of times. I've seen attorneys taken out in handcuffs, which was cool for contempt. I mean, that was kind of fun. But you didn't just show up in je uh, jeans or shorts. There's a matter of fact, there's a sign outside the courtroom that says no shorts. Why? Reverence. This is a, you know, you're to show respect for the judge and his courtroom. He's an earthly judge. We come to church for an eternal judge to meet with him. And if somebody suggests to us that, you know, we need to act a certain way or maybe dress a certain way, all of a sudden, well, now that's a little taking it too far. And what they're saying is that reverence, and I think because we're making church too much like society, it's losing the spiritual significance that people want to go to church and they want it to be spiritual. They're coming to church looking for God. And if they come to church and they find more society, <laughs> what's the point? I can stay home and experience that so I think even what John is even telling us in chapter 2 when we talked last week about loving not the love the father not the world we got to be careful that our churches aren't becoming part of the world and we're going to talk about some of that today that I want you guys to be mindful of certain indicators <clears throat> if you start seeing these indicators either at Central Baptist Church or another church, that's a warning sign. It's a warning sign. I'm on the leadership team here. 
Um, I would suggest that if we came to church and some of these warning signs started showing up, we would probably be having a discussion with pastor. Now, we love him. Do we not? I mean, he's our pastor. But, you know, if stuff like this started happening, we'd be pulling him aside and going, what's going on? Why are we doing this, this, and this? I hope that if you're not on a leadership team or in a, in a leadership position and you see these warning signs, that you remember those people on those ballots that you're getting ready to vote for next month that are on our leadership team. And then you pull those folks aside and say, what's going on? These, we need to be careful. We go back to what we are supposed to do. Society, we got to keep society out there. Because this is a place we're going to spend time with God. And the two don't mix. Do we not, we, get, we understand that? That's of Satan. This is of God. And those two don't mix. First Peter says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Be ye reverence. You should want to show reverence. And that this is a special place. It's a special place. For a few hours, well really all the time you're here, but especially when we choose to come together as a congregation on Sunday morning, Sunday evenings, Wednesday evenings, or Monday or Tuesday if it's a revival, or other times for special occasions, if we choose to get together as a congregation, this is a special place deserving reverence for a holy God. That's why we have restrictions on you know, certain drinks. I allow them in Sunday school. Before I started teaching, um, they, we kind of even frowned on it even in Sunday school. Um, but nobody abuses that in here, so I don't make a big issue of it. But in sanctuary, that's different. It's different. Even water bottles sometimes. I mean, I've taken a few a water bottle in there once or twice if I had kind of a... <clears throat> But some people do it all the time. It's like they can't do without water for seven, for an hour. You know, 20 years ago, they didn't sell water in bottles. And you just had to wait to go to the water fountain. Courtney, this is shocking to you, maybe. When I grew up, they didn't have water bottles, did they not? You didn't go to the gas station and buy a bottle of water. I remember when they first came out, we're all like, What? They can get it out of the kitchen sink. For free. Yeah, for free. Why do I need to buy a case? Now we all probably have bottles of water in our refrigerator. My wife, she won't drink water except from a bottle now. I'm like, just give give me the stuff out of the sink. And she's like, oh, no, that's bad for you. Really? Okay. And they rattle in there. That, you know, there's that. There's cell phones. We're just, that we're bringing the world into our sanctuary and that's a special place we're to show reverence to God there but I think some of us older people you know we're considered quote quote old fashioned I know we're old fashioned because we have certain beliefs of how things should be done in church or I know and we're considered old fashioned or behind the times we should share those convictions and beliefs 
Maybe they'll rub off on other people. I was uh, shared with uh, before class. Uh, some we were talking about some of the books I read to prepare. And some of my favorite books that I read to prepare my lessons were written in the 1850s. Um, they come from England. And there are a series of books called Christian Treasury. And it was actually a magazine that they published into a book once a year. Uh, in the, in the uh, I think from 1840-something to 1850-something. I'm not quite sure. But every year they published this book of various articles and various sermons, various stories. And it's intriguing to read that book. And every week I get something from that book, those books, into my lessons. That, those books are 175 years old. And every week I read an article that still holds true today. They were writing articles back then about keeping the world out of the church. 150 years ago, 175 years ago, they recognized that it's a problem. And the people that they were writing to considered them probably old-fashioned, right? Ain't nothing new under the sun. But I think what we need to do is show the reverence and keep it pure and keep society out and then explain why we do those things, you know? Um, I know of a specific church in town um, that actually split um, because and, the, and the, the split resulted in another church open in town and their whole purpose was he felt he needed to reach the unreached. And the way they're choosing to do that is having almost a life church kind of service. You know, they preach, he preaches from his... Um, Stage, I'll call it a stage because that's what it is, in jeans and something every week. It's worldly music, it's drum sets, guitars, flashing lights. He felt like that's what we, he needed to do to reach the unchurched. And I wonder the impact that's going to have in the depth. Number one, I wonder, and I'm not going to doubt their their salvation you know for those people that attend I'm not going to doubt that that they're saved but what's the depth of their um, discipleship what's the depth of their knowledge and their understanding and their depth of their Christianity we talked a couple of weeks ago about that spiritual maturity level that comes is that going to have an impact you think on the long term I suspect maybe it will, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just seems to me that it's bringing the world into a church environment, and the Bible tells me that's not right. So I don't really try to look at stats and figure it out. I'm just looking at the Bible, and the Bible says be shouldn't be doing that. What's that? I'm sorry. It's rewriting it. It's rewriting. You know, just making it, making it so that the eyes are more appealing, that the ears, that 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 you're experiencing a, um, oh, an emotional. You get an emotional feeling out of the music, and there's all this. You leave feeling good. 
I've mentioned this several times in class. I, I don't leave every week feeling good. I feel like sometimes how... I feel how, burdened. Yeah, burdened. And I feel convicted. Um, some days I do leave feeling good, you, you know? You're taking, all, all, you're taking Christianity out of everything. Well, they're, what they're doing is they're preaching a different Christianity. What did we say John was writing this letter for? He was writing it because he wasn't concerned about the attacks coming from the outside. He was concerned about the attacks coming from within the church, changing the Christianity to make it more appealing to the ears, to make it more appealing to the eyes. And now he talks to us about uh, loving not the world, and are they, is that all they're doing is bringing the world into it, Stacy? I know. You know the, I, mean? I 100% agree. Be like us and, you know, because if they're seeking church, they want something that's not like what they're already used to. It's not an imitation of what they are used to in the world. So, you know, they almost, it's almost like the church is trying to dupe us into thinking that it's something else. No, I 100% agree. Uh, you know, they go to a church like that and they're like, even I think even a non-believer sometimes go to churches like that and feel like, well, this isn't, this isn't feel like church, you know, so, but I'll, a cautionary point, and I'll put, I'll put Central Baptist Church up there, because I, I believe that, in, and in the 10 years uh, we've been here, I haven't seen um, very little, and I'm not saying change is bad, let's, let's stop there for just a second, park there for just a second, this doesn't, this isn't saying change is bad, change is sometimes good. Um, but we can't be well why are you why are you changing right why are you changing on uh, the other hand you got some mega churches that don't preach the truth they don't they absolutely and don't they get 40 50,000 every week and all they preach is grace and mercy and uh, if you give you're gonna have blessings you know, I've watched some of those. Oh, my goodness. I watched some of that uh, preparing for this lesson. I saw one church, I won't mention who, that for their Easter program did a Star Wars theme Easter. And they hung Darth Vader on the cross in an effort to, and the next point I have in my lesson is the word contextualize, to make something applicable to people that might not, that spend so much time in the world, that's the only thing they understand. So I need to, con oh, I need to over contextualize mm -hmm. biblical facts mm -hmm. and change things so that, oh, oh, that's what. So Darth Vader, right? Are you saying that's what Jesus? Oh, I get it now. Do they really? That's a heresy. Uh, and they did that one year. The year before, they did the Avengers. Um, and every year, they do a different theatrical approach to Easter, and that's their program. And they're they're trying to bring the world into the church and they feel like they have to do that 
to contextualize the material so that they will understand. Well, because the Holy Spirit can't do it. Yeah. Right. Well, that tells you that the Holy Spirit's not present. Yeah. Yeah, it's in that place, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, we want the Holy Spirit to be present when pastor preaches because he speaks to us and gives us insight into what he wants us to get from that. We don't need we don't need it to be entertained. Sometimes the best time comes through quiet. When you just stop and kind of reflect. I know a couple of churches, I was doing some reading this week, that actually build quiet time into their services for that purpose. And I'm not talking just the invitation time. You know, they'll have quiet prayer time at another point. To ref- you know, change isn't bad. If, if somebody were to do that, it's, I, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. Uh, if, you're, if you're spending that time in communication with God, yeah, absolutely. Romans 12.2 And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And what I was getting ready to say too from what Stacy said was the world looks at us. You know, we... Uh, I'm not saying we have the one way to do church. Not saying that at all. I've been to some churches in the past, and you know it might be different, but uh, Southwest does church a little bit different. Uh, and they're fundamental independent, support Heartland Baptist. Uh, it's a different preacher, different leadership team. They've chosen some. There's some differences, um, but it's not it's not bad differences. But when we spend time here. And if our depth of if, if we're suggesting that you know we have a greater depth of Christianity, do you outside of here practice that? Because that's the key. Are you really transformed through the time we spend with God on Sundays and Sunday evenings and Wednesdays? And do you act that way when you leave here and go to work on Monday? Because if you don't. You're not helping the cause either. You're not helping the cause either. I love this uh, from Mark 4.23. Jesus said this, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And then what did he say? He said, And he said unto unto them, Take heed what you hear. Take heed. Uh... I hope, and I welcome it. I welcome it. I know Pastor has said this, and he welcomes it. If I ever teach something that doesn't sound right, reach out, text, email. Hey, I don't understand that point. I understand it to mean this. I'm infallible, (laughs) or I'm fallible. Which is it? Fallible. <laughs> I can make a mistake. I very much can. Um, pastor, same way. We're human. We're men. Uh, 
we do spend time studying, but we may say something not appropriate that doesn't match to Scripture. And I hope whatever we teach or whatever pastor preaches, that you take it home and that becomes a study point maybe for you that week. Open the book. See, unlike other denominations that don't want you to study on your own and just absorb what they teach you, we encourage that. Open the book. See what the Bible has to say. Confirm for yourself. Um, so take heed what you hear. And if you start hearing stuff that ain't right, say something. So what are some of these signs? I'm, I got several here. I'm not going to try to go through all of them. About 10 after, we'll go for a little bit. Teaching that the Bible is not inspired and inerrant. Churches do this. There's churches out there that do that. They teach, well, it was written in a certain way for a certain time, and it's really not, you have to kind of adjust the meaning for today. No, I mean, even that those books, those Christian uh, treasury books that I read from 1850 that are teaching from Scripture, that what they're teaching from Scripture still applies today. It's the same book. It's the same book. It, 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 it's applicable for us today. It's either all or nothing. That's right. you got to take it all or nothing. You can't just pick and choose from it. And a lot of people do that too, don't they? Judge not lest ye be judged. And there's where they stop. <laughs> you know, you can't judge me. Okay. Number two, using books instead of the Bible in Bible study. You know, who was writing what? <laughs> and that's all the preacher did too. I have been, you know, back when I first taught, I looked around at different things and I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And I went to good sites. Uh, Striving Together um, is a publishing um, company done by West Coast Baptist Bible College. It's good stuff. And they put out Bible study materials. For Sunday schools and I thought well maybe I can do this I actually bought one or two and I got it and I tried to prep and it, I couldn't it just didn't seem to I'm like this doesn't sound like me at all and it just I don't know it didn't feel right so I never have done it never have done it I've been tempted a few times I've read a book or two and I'm like wow this would be some good information but then again how about I just take that information open scripture, find scripture that applies and teach you the information without going through the book. So, you know, it's it can be tempting, but, you know, to me, and I think our church does a wonderful job in it, teach scripture. Pick a, pick a book and go. I've come to some verses. Well, I told you uh, when I was teaching on the whole, the little children, fathers and sons, I didn't know what I was going to do with that. I thought about skipping it. And what I got from that study on that was really, I thought it was pretty neat. You I think know? This is, it was last Sunday, there was a new lady that was first time or second time at our church, and she, I talked to her, and she said, do you all really teach the Bible, or do you teach a book? Because she said, every place I've gone, they teach about books. They're not teaching. I said, yeah. if you want a Bible 
church, you're in the right place. There you go. Because I said we do get we do teach that's where, that's where the info comes from. Yeah. So I said, you know, you're in the right place. That's neat. Yeah. That's neat. Teaching that there is more than one way to God besides Jesus. You know, I mentioned, uh, oh, it's been a while maybe, but I was driving down the road and I was listening to Bible Broadcasting Network and they were telling about a church who had a split because some of the uh, deacons wanted to put a line in their statement of faith that said, Jesus is Lord. And they took it to the church membership. First off, the deacons couldn't agree to it. 50-50, they were like, eh, that's pretty harsh. So they took it to the church, and 50-50 of the church couldn't agree to it, and it ended up splitting the church because they wanted to put the line, Jesus is Lord. That's heartbreaking. That's terrible. It's not a church. Who would argue against that well could you find scripture to support it (laughs) (laughs) i mean that just is that's just i don't know but there's churches out there arguing that point and they're doing it because well we we might offend somebody maybe somebody's coming that doesn't believe that so why would we want to just throw that in their face because it's true, and we we teach truth. But there, you know. So if you know, if you start seeing that we're compromising doctrinal stances, warning signs, right? Being embarrassed to say that Jesus is the only way to salvation. There are a lot of preachers out there avoid that topic, avoid that 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 harsh that that pointed topic. There's one way. One way. Get it on, Brother Don. What's uh, John 14, 6 say? Only one way, right? Jesus was talking. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, truth the and the yep. No man coming to the Father right. Yeah, I got that right here. Yep. So, but they avoid that. They say, well, he didn't really mean that. <laughs> I don't really mean that. There's pre- preachers. I mean, it's not hard to find either. It's not hard to find. Teaching that there is no absolute right or wrong. Man, that's where we're in in this country big time right now. Big time. What I, you know, and I've said several times, I've over the years had people tell me, well, there's shades of gray. You know, there's really, there's not right and wrong. There's just a bunch of shades of gray everywhere. No, you know what? There is just right and wrong many times. And the Bible especially is clear on that. If the Bible is clear on a topic, then it's right or it's wrong. And they avoid teaching those things because they're afraid, well, somebody's going to disagree with me and I don't want to offend them. We want them to feel welcomed. And I want people to feel welcomed if they're new or visiting. But I think you make them, you do that by preaching truth and letting the Holy Spirit talk to them. And convince them of that of those things. Yeah, uh, being careful to not offend anyone at the expense of biblical truth. Isn't that what we were just saying there? Pastors preaching moralism instead of Christ-centered messages. You see this a lot. 
and throw you know Mr. Osteen up there in that regard and many many others that are are in these kind of these mega churches they get big the way they are because they don't teach sin they do, and they don't teach the consequences of sin you don't hear very many teachers or pastors anymore that will bring up or even teach about hell that there is a place called hell and that if you don't believe or you are not a believer you will end up there for eternity separated from God that is biblical truth but you will not hear very many teachers or preachers even broach that topic anymore back when I was growing up and I'm sure many of you remember too that used to be preached almost every Sunday (laughs) you know those old fire brimstone preachers they used to call them but nowadays we teach moralism. We think, well, just treat everybody decent and, you know, no. No. Approving, approving of homosexuality. That's a big one nowadays, too. Um, you see it in churches. They're starting to change doctrinal statements and, and say, you know, well, I'm not ready to I saw one interview with a preacher that if I said his name you'd recognize him and he said well you know my stance is evolving based off you know my studies or something I'm like what was he studying yeah I know he's not using the Bible it wasn't this book (laughs) um and then I'll mention this one. This isn't necessarily a popular one, but approving of women leadership and pastors. Bible's fairly clear on this topic. And Southern Baptist Convention is really struggling with this right now. Um, they have several churches that have um, ordained female pastors, and the convention is really struggling about whether to... Uh, kick those churches out or not and they're starting to be a little more accepting of, of that uh, in that uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention um, you know it's like I said it's not always popular and it may you know not be comfortable sometimes but it's biblical and if you believe go back to the first couple of points if you believe the Bible is inerrant and that final authority then we got to stop right there and go, if this is inerrant, and if this is the final authority, and everything in here is true, and it applies to us today, well, the Bible says that that's not the role of women. It applies to them some other wonderful, wonderful, and special roles for us, but not that one. I mean, you got to kind of stop there on that, right? just is what it is. Again, not condemning the sins of society. Use of politically correct terms of the word from the pulpit where those terms replace biblical values and truths. And and here, uh, and these are big now, replacing husband and wife with partner. I've mentioned in here, you know, being in the human resource world, I get emails all the time with this stuff on it. Um, they want me to have uh, in my email signature what pronouns I prefer. I absolutely refuse to do that. 
you know, and, you know, well, I need to have a policy in my company that supports women's right to choose and availability for abortion, or, or I need to do a diverse, a diversity, equity, inclusion, the, the new equity uh, phrase that's going around that is um, nothing but racism in another form. Uh, I get all that stuff all the time, and, man, I just hit delete every time. Um, but they want you to start referring to, you know, instead of husband and wife, say partner, because you don't know somebody's circumstances. You know, we talked about the, the world. The world, and whose world is it? Satan's world. It's Satan's world. Uh, praying as a last resort. Sometimes we want things, we want things, we need things, or something comes up, and we might go to Google first and look for help. Or we might go somewhere else, and it seems like one of the last things we do is choose to pray about it. Missionaries not being sent out and supported. We're doing that. Divorce statistics within our congregation are as high as they are outside that congregation. That shouldn't be. And then I have the last last point, teaching evolution. When the evolution starts sneaking into your teaching, slippery slope very slippery slope that's not what the bible says uh, and even this gap theory that's not what the bible says it didn't it was seven straight days there wasn't a million years between days six and seven or whatever that there's uh doctrinal consequences if you start throwing that stuff into scripture and i know some good churches that are doing that doing that trying to compromise with society so Shortly, and then we'll we'll uh, go down to services. I think you know we all need to personally be careful as we leave here. The world is not our friend. We talked about that last week. But I want to caution you guys: be careful. The world has no place in this church. No place in this church. A holy God in a sinful world does not mix. Now, who's going to make sure that's not going to happen? You guys. So be mindful of those danger signs because there are churches falling today all around this country because they allowed in a particular <coughs> sinful thing from the world and it kills the church like a cancer. Don't let that happen here. Ken, do you want to release this and we'll go down for services? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day and, and this time that we've had to open your word and study and learn from your word, Lord. Great truths we've seen today, Lord. Remind us uh, as we go through our week to come to seek the truth, Lord, and to reverence the truth and, and to separate ourselves from the world. Lord, that's where all the good blessings really are. So, Lord, I thank you for this lesson. I thank you for the time that our, our teacher has spent preparing today that he could share some really um, great truths with us today. Lord, now as we get ready to go to uh, the worship service, I just ask that you bless this time, Lord, and, and that you prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the truth, Lord, and not just hear it, but to apply it to our lives. Uh, be with the pastor and uh, 
give him the words that you would have him to give us. Lord, I just ask that you be with us in the week to come, that we would live the truths we're hearing today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.